Well, hello and welcome to the Sanctified Savage Podcast. My name is Al Westerman, and I am so honored that you have decided to spend some time listening. I don't even know if I mean this, but I hear every other podcaster saying this, so it's probably helpful. So if you would rate and review my podcast, and only give me great reviews because I need it, <laughs> I would that would be even better. Like, that would just be so fantastic. So... Today we have a special podcast, as they're all special, because I have my dear friend Jen Klusterman on. Jen has given her life to serving Jesus. She is such an amazing woman of God, and she lives it. She lives this so far beyond just her her job, caring for people, loving people no matter where they're at, seeing the best in people, and she deals with people who have are struggling in all different types. Now, today, Jen and I talk about the marginalized. We talk about mental health struggles. We talk about community. We talk about loving and caring for one another and seeing the best in one another. Uh, what What do you do if you believe one of your friends is suicidal? What do you do if you're suicidal? We get into some pretty deep stuff here. So I really hope that you enjoy it. I hope that you stick with it. I hope that you're blessed by it. I hope that you learn from it. I know I learned a lot, and I'm very grateful for Jen. Well, without any more ado, here's the show. So, hello, and welcome to the Sanctified Savage podcast. Today, I'm with my good friend, Jen Klusterman. Jen is the, I never remember, satellite director? Mm-hmm. Satellite director at the Bridge Outreach Center, which is a part of Youth Unlimited. Is that all correct? Yes. Is that in the yeah. right order? Okay, yeah. good. <laughs> Now, Jen has a a very unique perspective in that she works with the young people of Peterborough. She works with the marginalized. And uh, so Jen really has her thumb on what's been happening in Peterborough, what's been happening with the youth of Peterborough, and and just how detrimental some of the uh, the protocols and restrictions have been on, on people's mental health. And so today, we just want to talk about that. We want to talk about how can we meet people where they're at? How can we help people ourselves? If we are the ones struggling with mental health, what can we do? Who can we reach out to? What should we share? And uh, we also want to make a cry out for, for those to take a stand, to write a letter, to be a difference maker in this world around us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, Jen, what are, what are some of the things that you've been seeing in, uh, in Peter Royer? Yeah, well... I think, like, from the very beginning, um, when, like, lockdown started happening, well, at first, we were, like, everybody, like, just trying to uh, figure out what was going on and, like, how to adjust and, and help and to serve. And so the beginning of, very beginning of COVID, um, we actually just spent a lot of time praying. That was, like, the first thing. And then, um, really, yeah, seeking seeking God, because we knew people, people were hurting. Isolation is just not good for humanity. Mm, It's not good for the human spirit. Um, Being in isolation, um, you know, if you have a home to be safe in, um, if you have a family that loves you, it can be actually a great thing to be, you know, at home with your family, to have that love and support. Um, But for many people, home is not safe um, or or home is not there, right? Like there's not a, um, a safe place to go. And so that was like something I, I thought about really early on a lot um, because we, you know, as you said, um, work with uh, youth that are marginalized and also now um, are just being in the downtown to uh, host ministries and, and outreaches to 
um, adults who are who are homeless, vulnerable as well. And so just seeing the impact of that, I don't know if I'm answering the question fully, but seeing the impact of that. And so um, trying to just serve and meet people where they're at, being, being an open door, that was a big focus for us mm-hmm. through, through a lot of the pandemic um, so far. Yeah. So one of the things you said at the, at the very beginning of the pandemic is that you feel, well, you've noticed mm-hmm. that pandemic lockdowns they hit everyone hard but they disproportionately affect the marginalized yes yeah i think that's something that we saw early on and actually when i talked to other um organizations in the city that were that were working with youth and working with marginalized um that that message um felt very clear Mm. and just was was very clear like um people who are marginalized so people who are um homeless or on the edge you know poverty um, I think many people have uh, been dealing with precarious housing situations. The rental market right now is crazy. It's dreadful. Uh, it's it's crazy. Like to find a, a safe place to live is like very very difficult right now. Even for people who have steady income and right. steady you know relationships in their life, because it's not it's not just about income and money and finances. It's also about like having stable and steady relationships, friendships, and um, like a support network. Um, so yeah, I think um, that's been a big issue. So a lot of instability that people are were feeling, and um, uh, food food instability was part of it, especially early on. Um, and now as prices of food are going up, so I think just the the fear in that as well of like where things could come from. Um, people are being impacted by that. So, um, but yeah, we were seeing like disproportionately impacting impacting the marginalized, impacting people who don't have, you know, maybe the same resources and, and supports. But it was it was interesting too with that, like for people who were, you know, living in poverty, there was also um, big chunks of government funding that were coming in. So um, some people that were, uh, you know, maybe had precarious uh, income before, um, could get served all of a sudden, right? If they weren't working, if they could show that. There were COVID reasons for that. Um, starting to make more money than maybe they had before. So there was also this like really interesting, again, especially at the beginning, this really interesting um, like shift in in that community. Where for at the beginning we were really freaked out. We thought people are going to be really affected by this, and it felt very quiet for a while. Um, and then it hit like the mental health stuff and yes. the um, like the. Uh, just the, the hopelessness that people really were experiencing, it hit like yeah. super hard, maybe yeah. like eight months in. Yeah, I, yeah there, there's definitely a fallout. And you know, your your context is that you work at a youth outreach center. My context is that I'm a youth pastor at a church. So I deal a lot with teens as well. And it has been, the, the lockdown aspect has been so detrimental to teens. Yeah. It's really been, it's really been devastating. A lot of teens that had really good mental health going into it, you've just seen a a steady decline. Some have stayed great. Some have stayed in good spirits, but by and large, the majority has seen a a serious degradation. It's been, it's been really tragic. And uh, there are a couple reasons we we can kind of get into that. So a little while ago, I I researched a list of um, what are some symptoms of of anxiety, what are some symptoms of depression? And a lot of these we actually see made made manifest by lockdowns. So 
for example, of dropping grades. Now we know a lot of the students have, they find it so hard to be motivated through school online. Uh, disengaging from social settings. Again, they're being forced out of social settings. They literally cannot have yeah. the same social settings that they had before. So uh, lethargy, you can't do sports, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't go to the house. So what do, you, what do a lot of teens do these days? Watch Netflix, go on Instagram. <laughs> Uh, or TikTok, yeah. um, feelings of worthlessness, again, if you can't accomplish as much, a lack of interest in hobbies, and, uh, and pessimism, and, and like, now, my, my hypothesis in all this is that in forcing, whether it's on purpose or not, in forcing teenagers into a, um, into experiencing the symptom of anxiety and depression, the disease mm -hmm. is itself manifesting. Right. Yeah. And it, so, you know, there's, there's, you're talking about the fallout, five, six, eight months, 12 months later. I mean, as, as youth pastors, you occasionally come along someone who has suicidal thoughts or suicidal feelings. I've never seen anything like this. Yeah. I've never seen this much hopelessness yeah. in the world yeah yeah people are really struggling and i think that like mental health i i always think this is just my own way of thinking this is not a um you know this clinical. Uh, yeah clinical feedback but um mental health i've always thought of it, it's like this spectrum right and we have mental health we have physical health and they're related actually yep. um and you can have mental illness and you can have physical illness too right um if you are mentally if you don't have a mental illness, you still have to take care of your mental health. And you have there are things you can do for your mental health to be good. Um, if you do have a mental illness, you still have to make take care of your mental health. And there are things that you can do that can make it good or make it bad. And, and like what you're saying, a lot of the cultural factors that we are, we're facing right now are like forcing people into really negative um, settings for for their mental well-being, their mental health. So, if you do have a mental illness um, that you're 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 dealing with, that that then that becomes like a very dangerous yeah. situation. Yeah. Um, if you don't have a mental illness, um, your mental health starts to suffer. You're just living, it, maybe in a place that you've never lived before, and maybe don't even have the tools uh, to navigate. If you're if you're used to being a very like mentally well, positive, um, like relationally healthy person. And all of those things start getting shut down for mm -hmm. you. Um, you actually maybe just don't even have this, the tools sure. to, to deal with that. Yeah. You've never, you've never even considered like what that might feel like. Like depression would feel like a very foreign thing. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember when I started getting anxiety attacks. I had no idea what it was. Yeah. Um, so you bring up a really good point. And a lot of people don't concern themselves with their physical health until mm -hmm. they go to the doctor and the doctor says. You have type 2 diabetes. This is a diet and lifestyle problem. You need to get rid of it with diet and lifestyle, if, if that's what they say. I think they probably just give a pill. But your, your point is, is well taken because until your health takes a hit, you don't really have to think about it. Right. Now, the, now, the wisest or the smartest of the smart are proactive, mm -hmm. and so they will do things to make it so that they, they stay in a tip-top healthy state, whether that's physical health or... Um, emotional or physical mental health right yeah and, and so i think one of the problems that is happening in, in peter Rowe and probably the world at large right now is that there 
aren't enough experts to to help out. There is mm -hmm. such a demand for social workers or mental health workers or, or whatever that people just can't get in. Yeah. Um, I know people who have been turned away, who have been suicidal, who have been turned away from the hospital because they hadn't attempted. Right. And it's never been like that before. The The need is so high. So how are they even getting, how are they getting the diagnosis? How are they even knowing that there is something wrong? And, and, and I think there are just so many teens out there who just feel like, what's, what's wrong with them? Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe I just haven't been, again, given the tools to identify yeah. like what's going on. And some some actually really are. I, one thing I've found kind of remarkable, actually, is like in a number of young people I've talked to, um, some of the language that they're using to describe their mental health is like language that I know would have been given to them by counseling mm -hmm. or like clinical language, right? And they'll they'll be using like certain language, like um, giving me their safety plan or like talking mm -hmm. through like checklists of things that they've been going over. So I'm like, okay, this is cool. It's so good that young people are getting those tools. Yes. And they're getting them from somewhere. So there is that is definitely happening. Um, but but to go to your other point, um, front frontline workers are just burning out. Oh, absolutely. It's like the craziest thing I've ever seen. And even like, yeah, involvement we've had with police, um, which I first of all I want to say our police have been amazing mm. uh, through the pandemic in so many ways. I, I think I just am really grateful. But they're they're so stretched. Like it's yeah. it's actually just crazy to see. I, I haven't seen that level of um, yeah, just stretching of because they're they're responding to so many calls now that are not specifically crime yes. related, yeah. and they're responding to many more crime related calls as well. So it's yeah. that's that's been intense. Hospitals, as you say, are intense. Like the amount of um, mental health response um, that just ends up at the hospital, and the hospital, uh, you know. God bless them, but they're not uh, equipped for that level right. of, uh, you know, of, of response. And uh, and also the hospital can be, what I've seen too, is quite triggering for young people, especially if they've had experiences. It can be traumatizing um, to go end up in like a locked psych ward, especially right. if you've had negative experiences doing that before. I, yeah, it's sad in a way because um, I think because the system, like I've never seen the system so stretched before. Mm -hmm. As many workers like yes. just burned out before, um, most frontline workers that I know have dealt with either um, clients attempting suicide or or actually losing um, clients to death. When I talk to people who are working in, with youth, working in mental health, and they say, "Oh, we've lost a lot of people, like a lot of clients this year, or their parents or their families," and you say, "Oh, is it because of COVID?" They say, they almost look at you like, "Oh no, like it's because of the impact, like the, the yes. social impact. It's not that people are." Um, that they're seeing like many people, um, you know, dying in a hospital because of, of COVID itself as a as a sickness. But the the what they're seeing more than anything is, is people ending up in hospital and dying because of their mental health, suicide, um, and it's devastating, right? It's, well, it's, it's unintended consequences. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you were the government, you'd be like, okay, this is a virus. We need to deal with the virus. So they did. They dealt mm -hmm. with the virus. Let's say the best way they knew how. Mm -hmm. As time goes, and as we have new information. We see that there are unintended consequences, and some of the unintended consequences are what we're talking about. It's, it's that we're having, a, in my opinion, a greater pandemic of mental health uh, struggles, and so many other um, consequences, like not being able to see people. You mentioned this earlier. It's like there, so many teens identified 
feelings of loneliness. And it's an unintended consequence, but it is common. And and they're becoming more introspective and in, introverted. And some of that is in good ways, but a lot of that is in negative ways. And they're actually starting to disengage totally from social interactions because of the social anxiety. Social anxiety has gone rampant since this. It's an unintended consequences. Young people are losing their livelihood, they're losing their hope, they're losing, some of them are losing their lives. These are all unintended consequences. Again, I don't blame the government for making the decisions that they originally made. If they had one thing to focus on, and that thing was viral control, they'd be doing a great job. Unfortunately, there are far more factors, there are far more things that we need to think about. I think we've come to a point where the treatment is worse than the disease. Mm. And, and we're focusing so much on disease treatment that we're not even focusing that we're not focusing enough on the unintended consequences. There is there is literally no way forward without risk, right? We are going to risk something. What do we want to risk? Are we do we want to risk the frail and the elderly, which by the way the virus on, uh, disproportionately picks on, is the frail and the elderly, or do we want to pick on teenagers? Because people are going to die. And that is a sad fact, and I, I don't like saying that, but it's true. People are going to die. Now, who do we want to be the people who are, if, if, if you're in control, who are the people you want to be dying? Is it the teenagers, or is it the frail and the elderly? Not to get too deeply into a philosophical discussion, but, um, like, we want our young people to live. Not just be alive physically, yeah. but, like, we want them to live and know what life is and know what hope is and know what they're living for. Yeah. And I think that... Um, what's been what's been stolen uh, from them in this time is not only like the uh, you know some of the impacts that we're seeing, but like that it like hope has been stolen, yeah. like a future, like uh, the ability to to see their lives in a certain way and, and understand um, who like who am I in this world and, yeah. and yeah. Um, being able to interact with it. Like it's been very stifling, very like like oppressive environment to, to, to be in and even again not I'm not I'm not gonna open this can of words but even like physics like the physical act of like being in masks in, in school again not to get into the political side of that but like it is having a psychological effect on young people right, right. where they like I've talked to teenagers who say I actually feel more comfortable wearing a mask because I can feel like hidden mm -hmm. you know I don't like the, that that feeling of like I, I don't feel comfortable sitting yeah. and just being like normally talking to somebody anymore, I'm, I need to be behind a mask, behind a screen, behind something. And you know, at that age, it's like already, already, like as if you don't have enough things to be insecure about, and yeah. and enough things to kind of like every every teenager is going through that formative stage where they're like hating themselves, which they shouldn't because they're beautiful, but yeah. you know, thinking all these negative things about themselves, and now also there's this added layer of like being behind all these barriers and feeling more comfortable there and feeling like afraid to be seen right and afraid to be themselves and afraid to just live right and it's and, and I, I think i think you're right i think one of one of the tools is that uh, you're mentioning people need to have tools right they need to have tools in their hands of like what can you do and do something that gives you life yeah. now i don't know what that is maybe that's playing hockey maybe that's painting maybe it's doing a craft or constructing something. I don't know what it is, but do something that brings you joy. A, a lot of, you know, maybe you can't play hockey in the league right now. Maybe you can, but 
play hockey with your friends. If that's on the street, play hockey with your friends in the street. Even if you're 46, I think it's important to, to have some tools. So we, we have some other tools as well. Yeah, yeah, we need a, yeah, we need to do life-giving things. And I think um, the other thing that's happen- like happening is that we're living in this culture of, of fear, right? Like people are very afraid and that's obviously affecting young people more than you know, you're an adult and you have the ability to think about your life in a certain way, you have experiences. When you're young, you're forming these experiences. Yes. You're forming your life. Mm-hmm. And what's happening right now is young people are growing up in this culture of they're they're being either being told or like there's a there's a feeling around them that they should be afraid. Afraid of the virus, right. afraid of their friends, afraid of life and culture and society in general, mm-hmm. right? And as Christians, we actually have like a great hope, right? Like we have that an- the antidote of, of fear, which yeah. is the hope of, of Christ. Right. Um, and uh, like, yeah, and I think we have the ability actually as Christians to set the tone of hope in the culture, yes. right? So like, again, we don't have, you don't have to get like so deep into the political stuff, but like to actually just be able to speak hope and life yeah. and truth over people is very important because actually, um, there, there's like, uh, and I've, I've experienced this too. We were just talking before this about like, what's the best thing and the worst thing that's happened to you because of COVID. And I was saying, I think one of the things I've experienced is like, I've actually been impacted by that feeling of, of fear of like saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing, thinking the wrong thing, because everything around is so political and you feel like this need to kind of be diplomatic all the time. Um, but actually it's not, it's not wrong. It's actually good and right to just to speak the truth and love to people, to speak truth and love and hope over people. And I think that's something that, um, as Christians, if we can just speak hope into the culture and like set a tone that's hopeful, that's optimistic, that's full of life and, um, and redefine maybe some of what our young people are feeling, it, it creates a space where other people can step into and start to experience hope as well. Well, you, we, we need to, and where are we getting this from, mm-hmm. right? It's like, whose music are you dancing to? Yeah. It's, we have to be dancing to different music than mm-hmm. the music that's around us. Yeah. If we look around us in the world, we see a lot of despair. Yeah. Um, if we are connecting to God and we are listening to what does God have to say about us, what does God have to say about my friends, we're able to share a message of hope. It's, it's yeah. what are you connecting to? Yeah. And we have to be connecting to him. You were talking about how we're, our experiences are forming, our identities are forming. Our identities are, yeah. And I think this is an, another reason why it's been so hard on teens is because these are the formative years. Yeah. These are the years when they're trying to find out who am I? Where do I belong in all of this? What's my role in all of this? What am I to do? Who am I to be? And and so much of this is taken away and it's replaced with uncertainty. Yeah. Now, hope has been stolen from it's trying to be stolen from them, but there is a hope. Oh, yeah. There is a hope out there. Yeah. Uh, there is joy out there. He has a name. His name is Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I said to you from the beginning, like, it's such a crazy time right now, but it's also, uh, like, there's no better time to be a Christian, mm. actually, because people are actually looking for that. They're looking for, like, a, a reason to, like, live, basically, right? Like, we, we've had a lot of apathy in our culture, and there's apathy now, but um, but there's no better time to like see God move in the world. And we, I've seen 
I, like I've never seen so many people like come to faith in Jesus yeah. as I have over the last year get baptized we've been doing baptisms in the youth center we've never done that before right. like just trying to get anything that we can fill up water with and um yeah it's been very powerful um but yeah speaking speaking hope speaking truth yes. and not being not being afraid to stand on the things that were true I think something that I experienced um early on and probably many listeners have experienced as well as this feeling of like really needing to overanalyze what we what we say and what we think and what we do um to like be, not offend people. yeah not offend people and not like be labeled as something right sure. um but i've just like been feeling more and more like i just want to turn that part of my brain off that's worried about that because we actually just need to speak what is right and good and true well, what's god calling us to yeah right and jesus was so revolutionary in his day there were the religious leaders of his day and then, and then there was Jesus who was in such stark contrast that they didn't always get along. Yeah. Jesus and the religious leaders, you'd think that they would get along the best. But they were so focused on the rules. And in one of the occasions, Jesus' disciples are going through a grain field. They pop some grain in their mouth, and the religious leaders get all offended. They say, why are they doing what's uh, not lawful to do on the Sabbath? And Jesus scorns them for a bunch of things. Scolds them for a bunch of things, sorry. And eventually what it comes down to is he desires mercy, mm. not a sacrifice. Yeah. A sacrifice being the letter of the law. It's like, it's not, it's not about the letter of the law. It's not necessarily about doing everything. He, it's people first. It's mm. people over protocols, if we can use that term. Um, my, my stance through all this COVID stuff is not anti-anything. Mm -hmm. My stance is pro-social. And we are designed as social beings. We are designed to connect with each other socially. We were designed to shine mm -hmm. as stars in this wicked and depraved uh, generation that we're in. We're designed to shine. We're designed to be social. And so that doesn't mean that the rules don't matter. Mm -hmm. What that means is we need to shine. And we need to choose. You were just saying that. Such a message of hope is that you can be such a message of hope. Yeah. You can use your story. Uh, I was here. I was in this place of despair. I was in this place of sadness. And now I'm coming through it because of the hope that I have in Christ. And you can actually be a messenger of hope in the yes. world around you. Yeah. Which actually says in the Bible, too, that we are God. Like, he calls us his ambassadors, mm -hmm. right? Like, a ministers of reconciliation, mm -hmm. as though God were, were reconciling the world. Making an appeal through. To himself. Yeah, yeah making an appeal through you. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, no, that's right. <laughs> I'm always misquoting it. But yeah, it's like, um, we that's what we, we, were, we, we were made for. You and I were made to be those ministers of hope mm -hmm. um, and to not sit on the sidelines of that. And I think there's an invitation right now, like with everything we've gone through with the culture, to like step off the sidelines mm -hmm. and like, go and love people and share Christ with yeah. people and like ask God to shine through you. Cause that's yeah. something I, I always think too with um, when you actually, like I call evangelism like the engine of the church, because when you actually go and try to like share Jesus with somebody or you actually go in and try to pray with somebody or enter into somebody's story or enter into their pain, mm -hmm. you realize very quickly um, that you are not equipped. I am not equipped. Right to meet the human soul at, at its depth of pain, right? Like, the pain in the world, the pain in people's lives, the, um, uh, 
just the experiences that people have in their deepest parts, like it's so far over my head to know how to respond to that, um, to meet somebody in that place. We need God to meet somebody in that place. And it will very quickly drive you to your knees in prayer, crying out to God, saying, God, I need you. I'm not equipped to meet um, the wounds of this world. I don't even know where to start. I don't know what to say. I'm completely undone. I'm completely overwhelmed. God, I need you. I know that you sent me into this broken world to be your ambassador, um, to bring the gospel, the message, the hope of Christ. But I am like, I need you. Yeah. I need you, God. Like I can't, I can't do this without you. And and that's where we we seek Him, um, we receive from Him. He actually gives you His His Holy Spirit. He gives you His Word. He actually brings revelation when you when you cry out to God. Um, and and then and then it's like that's where we seek. Yeah, it it can be. It's such an important conversation to have. I love just what you're bringing out of that is that. It is so important to have those conversations with people. And it's not about being equipped. If Jen doesn't feel equipped, none of us feel equipped Mm -hmm. to have those conversations, to go to the part, like your willingness, your willingness to have this conversation with a friend, whether you're the one sharing or you're the one listening, your willingness to have a conversation is going to be one of the things that's going to bring us through this. Yeah. I promise you that you don't have to have all of the answers. Um, If I could offer just a little bit of advice on this, it would be be willing to sit in the suck. When When someone shares with you, they are not looking for answers. They're looking to be heard. You don't need to have the answers. And just be willing to sit there. Just be willing to sit in the suck with that person. And I think a, a beautiful message of hope is that that is what you're going through is valid. It's very difficult. And anyone would feel the same thing. But I believe that God has given you resources that are going to be able to pull you through this. It's a, it's a message of accepting someone where they're at, no matter where they're at. But also believing that even though it's going to be hard, you will be able to get through this. And if you are listening to this right now and you're in that place where you're not sure if you can get through this, please listen to me. You're not alone. You can get through this. You will get through this. Partnering with God. Allowed, there are resources. There are people that care about you. Allow me to also tell you that if you are feeling suicidal, Saying it to someone else isn't going to make it worse. It's actually more likely not going to make it better. Um, Don't feel like it's your dirty little secret that you can't share. Go to a trusted friend. Go to a a pastor. Find someone, even if there aren't enough social workers or healthcare workers out, out there available. Find someone that you trust. Find someone that loves you. Talk to your parent. Share with them how you feel. It's not going to make it worse. It might make it better. Yeah, and if you are that, like, if you're worried about a friend, um, I think, like, breaking off that, too, like, don't don't be afraid to ask them, right? Because that's, I think sometimes we get that, like, suicide is, is it's a big, scary topic. And it's, it's big and scary if you're the one experiencing it, like, those thoughts in yeah, those feelings, and it's big and scary if you're like a friend worried about worried about somebody else, right? So, 
Um, but it, but it, it, it actually is one of those things that um, we need to talk about. Um, yeah, if you're experiencing that, um, bringing that to somebody is like one of the best things you can do. Yeah. Um, but also if you're a friend or a family member, um, asking the question, again, it's not going to make it worse. And, and for many people, it's like that. Um, it's so scary to like bring that up if you've never said it before, especially. Um, it's so scary to bring that to the light. Like, what do you do? Like, call a friend. Hey, yeah. Hey, Al. I'm I'm really scared. Like, to say the word. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm thinking of suicide, or I'm thinking I want to kill myself. That's like a very hard um, dam to breach, right? So, like, if you can be a friend that asks that question of somebody, it can actually just like unlock the door that they needed open to get out their stuff and to get out their heart yes. and to share um, with somebody. So you can open that door for somebody. You can be the person that that invites them into that and and again um don't be afraid you know um be be with the person and um and walking walking through it with them i i have an early mentor that um used to always say never never underestimate the value of showing up just showing up for somebody like you said right like being able to listen to somebody and then get them hopefully the help that they need yeah. And it's, you're right. It's not even about what we're saying. Mm -hmm. It's not about saying the right things. Yeah. Sometimes it's just about being there. And, and listening, validating, affirming. Right. Like for most people that are, that are feeling suicidal, it's, uh, like it's valid why that the things that are causing them to feel that way. Mm -hmm. It's valid feelings of overwhelm and valid feelings of hopelessness and valid mm -hmm. feelings of, you know, stuff. Stuff is real. Stuff happens in life that's very, very hard. And we need to be connected. And when you open up your heart, when you expose um, those elements, those areas of fear in your life, you give opportunity for God's light to shine on it and, and bring healing to it. If you if you harbor it, you keep it to yourself, you're, you're not allowing that to come to flow through. I mean, God's God. He can do what He wants. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's something about opening up yourself to uh, other people. So we've talked about hope, um, and the importance of like being people of hope, setting a culture of hope, setting a tone of hope, and I think the and that that comes through Jesus and like letting yeah going to God for that we need Him. Um, but the the other thing that we've been talking about like this morning is. Um, and, and again, going back to like the most powerful thing I've seen during COVID is um, people beginning to grasp, again, their sense of identity. And I think from a Youth for Christ perspective and just from a personal perspective, um, there's like this ignition. Uh, is that right? Ignition? Ignition. Ignition, ignition, ignition yeah. There's an ignition that happens in, in, in people's souls. And I've experienced this, and I'm sure you've experienced this because I see the way that you live. Um, and I've seen it now multiplied in um, other people and young people as we're as we're teaching on identity. This like clicking that happens of like, oh, God made me on purpose yeah. for a purpose, yeah. and Jesus actually made me healed and whole and called me to His mission. Like I I can participate in that, and it actually says in His Word that He has given me everything that I need for life and godliness and holiness. So. I can actually live in the mission of God. He's given me everything that I need and he calls me a son and a daughter. Yes. And like when that starts to click in someone's soul and 
the way I described it, I described it to you as like your head and your heart coming mm-hmm. into alignment yeah. on the word of God and on truth. Um, the ignition, uh, yeah, of, of hope, of joy, of like the gospel just like exploding out of people. It's been, I've never seen anything like it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's not an accident that like the spirit of God seems to be doing a thing in our time in in this cultural moment that we're living in where um the days that we are in are are very evil in a way right Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of um there there are a lot of like evil um godless things being said and done in our culture in our in our nation in our land um and like this godlessness i think that i'm not afraid to say that like a godlessness that's in this generation and people are being taught and trained to lean only on their own understanding to lean only on human wisdom, human understanding of things, and to not look for God and to not search for God. And alongside this, we are seeing God ignite sons and daughters of the living God to live fully in Christ. And it's like amazing. Um, It's been an amazing thing to witness. And so this this thing on identity, and I want you to hit on this too, is just like understanding who you are in Christ, truly rooting yourself in that, um, is I think one of the most powerful things that we can do as human beings right now. I mean, I don't know if I could say anything better than you did, but it's it's who does God say that you are? It's what one of, one of the one of the hard things is feelings of worthlessness. Well, yeah. What is what determines your worth? Um, I remind myself. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I remind myself every day that my value isn't determined by what I do. It's not determined by how I perform. My value has been determined by Jesus Christ yes. when he died for me. Yeah. Your value is determined by <laughs> you can say what was the price that was paid for you? And listener, the price that was paid for you was the ultimate price. Heaven went bankrupt to purchase you. It is the most extravagant thing that has ever happened. That Jesus Christ, the living God, God in flesh, who lived a perfect and sinless life, decided to take on your nature. He he decided to give you his right standing with God. And in return, he took your hurt, he took your pain, he took your sin, past, present, and future. He took that upon himself in a moment of of grace so that we could be free. So that we could be free to have communion with God. Mm -hmm. So that we could be free from the penalty of our sin. We're no longer bound in condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you are experiencing pain and struggle. You were not designed for this. Mm -hmm. You were not designed for depression. You were not designed for addiction. You weren't designed for that. You were designed for freedom and freedom in Christ. Yeah, it's for freedom that Christ set us free. And since they're therefore no longer um, bound to be in slavery. Like, and I think sometimes, like, it's interesting because I think sometimes when we hear stuff like that, and we're struggling, that we immediately go to condemnation, right? Like self-condemnation, mm-hmm. oh, well, yeah, I'm supposed to be living free in God, but I'm struggling with this sin or this addiction or this whatever. And so we go to condemning ourselves, and um, and we can't believe the truth because the, 
it doesn't feel true, it doesn't seem true, um, and and we hide we hide from it or we push it away. And but it it actually it's not a condemnation on you that that actually mm-hmm. is true that he is even though even if you are struggling that um, it's still true about you that he has set he set you free and that that invitation to come um, to come back to him to like reroute yourself in him to. Um, or just to like let him speak to your heart and to let him in, to let him in, right? You don't have to figure it out on your own. It's like just to like come to him and let him in, and um, yeah, that that we can we can walk in the freedom and the power that that Jesus has given us. Um, and maybe you don't feel like you can even do that yourself. Yeah. Maybe you feel like you don't have the strength to do that right now. Yeah. Well, there's a story of a paralytic, mm-hmm. and it's paralytic needed to get to Jesus, but he couldn't make it to Jesus. He didn't have the strength to do it. So he had his friends bring him to Jesus for him. And I don't know which friend it is, but I know there is a friend in your life that would have no greater joy than to bring you to Jesus. Whether you're presently a believer or not. No, amen. And and that goes back to looping back to the very beginning of what you're talking about, why isolation. It's like bad for the human spirit. Like we actually just need each other. Yeah. We just need each other, right? And we need, um, we need to come together, uh, at, like to support one another, love one another, um, share the gospel with each other, like bring each other to the feet of Christ, as you were saying, um, edify one another, build each other up. I've been thinking a lot um, this year about um, the body of Christ and how He designed us as a body, and we need to like how we need each other in the body to, yes. to live and. Okay, God, what's my part in the body? Like, how are you calling me to like serve and live and be in the body? And um, yeah, it's really joyful to think of like that. And uh, yeah, we we just like really need each other. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny the a verse that's been quoted so much recently is I believe it's Hebrews ten twenty four. Don't give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. Now people think this has to do with church and that. Church online is therefore bad. That's not what it is. It's the believers coming together. It's that we need to come together. And whatever capacity that is, whatever capacity you can make that work, you need to be, especially if you're a believer, you need to be with other believers, encouraging one another, edifying one another, prophesying to one another, praying for one another, sharing what God is teaching you in your life. We are designed for this. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so Jen and I could probably talk for another hour, but we just want to cap off with a, a prayer. Jen, would you close us off? Yeah. God, we come before you and uh, just desire to humble ourselves before you and say that you are God. You are God. You are king of the world. Um, you are king of our hearts and you are king of um, these people of of, um, of Cabro and of Canada. And God, we thank you that you are you are doing a work in our day that um, even if we were told we wouldn't we wouldn't be able to to understand or believe it. You are so good. Um, you are so good. Um, and Lord, we know that uh, like your word says, this is a crooked and depraved generation. That um, there is there is godlessness in our generation. Um, but Lord, there is there is also great hope in your gospel and we believe you Lord uh, Jesus for a move of God that will sweep 
um, our land, that would heal our land. We say if we humble ourselves and pray um, that, that you will hear from heaven and come and heal the land. And God, we do pray for a healing over our land. We pray that this would be a generation that knows the Lord. We pray, God, that um, that this generation, old and young, um, would look uh, around and see um, that meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless under the sun, um, but that you, God, are everything, that you are hope, that you are life, that you are purpose, that you are um, life and life to the full, um, and that you offered yourself to us in Christ, um, that as we're looking for truth and hope and meaning and purpose, um, that the word of God and the hope of Christ would be returned to this generation in a very powerful way. Um, and God, I want to pray for um, just anyone who's listening right now who has been struggling with their mental health um, or family, their family members, or physical health too, in this time. Um, God, I just pray healing right now in Jesus' name. I pray that you would touch um, each one uh, that is listening, uh, that you touch their bodies, that you touch their mind and their soul, that right now, Lord, that you breathe life and energy and like revelation, God, you, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, would give revelation to the hearts of those who are listening to just be filled with all fullness of the measure of God and to know you, Jesus, to know the depth of the love that you have for them, um, to know the goodness that, and the purpose that you designed them for, that they were made on purpose and for a purpose, that they were made to live fully alive in you. Um, and God, I pray also just, um, yeah, for anyone who's like having, um, yeah, just issues in their family, um, like with physical, uh, physical health issues. I know like a lot of surgeries have been canceled and, or, or postponed, um, and that cancer um, has also been like really impacted by all of this. So Lord, I just pray healing. Um, I pray sustenance. I pray, um, just peace over families and homes. Uh, the spirit of division to leave in Jesus' name, and the hope and the healing of Christ to come. Um, and I thank you, God, that you are who you said you are, that you did do what you said you came to do, and that you, um, Lord, will do it again, that you will do um, miracles again, that you will do, um, that you will set captives free again, that you will bring healing again, that you will bring salvation again and again and again, um, because that is who you are. That is who you are, God. That your story of redemption and hope and life and truth is the only story that you tell. It's the only story you tell. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would bring like true hope and healing. That you bring deliverance uh, to homes today, and um, yeah, and a great healing to to our land and to um, our church. God, and we are coming together as the people of God and the mission and the purpose of God that you designed us for. Just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for everything that you, you've done. And we pray uh, that, yes, that this would be a generation that knows the Lord, that no longer would be any to turn to his neighbor and say, know the Lord, because they would all know you for the most, the greatest of things. And we just thank you, God, for your word. And we believe it. And we trust you, God. And we thank you for all your good gifts. Amen.